just want to welcome everyone, and good to see everybody here this morning. Looks like we have some visitors, and uh, just want to thank our visitors for being here and invite you back to worship with us again. Good to see some of our college kids back in. Uh, this time of the year, it's always exciting to have our college kids back with us, and uh, I know it's um, a lot going on. Just a reminder for everybody to uh, silence their phones at this time. Also, just uh, wanted to remind everyone to pick up a, uh, a Rome journal if you haven't done so. Um, has a lot of upcoming activities and also an update to our prayer list. So I just encourage you to grab one of those. Also, just wanted to let you know that the, the church now has an automatic defibrillator that was donated to us, and it's hanging up in the, uh, out in the foyer. Uh, you'll see an AED sign up high, and several um, of us have been trained on how to use that. So just wanted to make you guys aware of that. You know, it's a, it's a busy time of the year. Uh, holidays coming up, and a lot of people are going to be in and out traveling. We want to make sure to keep everybody that's traveling in our prayers. But also, you know, we're involved in a lot of different things. Our lives are always busy, especially this time of the year. And there's no better way to, to start a week than to, uh, to be here together as a, a collective body of believers and worshiping our God. So as we prepare to enter our worship service, I'd like to, uh, to read a few verses from Colossians chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Let's go to God in prayer. Dear God, we come to you at this time, Father, just thanking you for, for being our God. We thank you, Father, for all the many blessings that you bestow upon us. We especially thank you, Father, for your grace and your mercy. We thank you, Father, for your son, Jesus, for his life and his death and burial and resurrection, Father, for the hope that we have through him. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be here together as a body of believers to worship you. We pray, Father, that we will empty our minds of all worldly distractions and to put our minds solely on you to worship you as you deserve to be worshipped, Father. Father, we are mindful that so many of our number are unable to be here, are dealing with various health issues, and we pray for, for each of them, those that have been mentioned in our Bible class this morning, those that are listed in the bulletin, pray that you will Lay your healing hands upon them, Father. And Father, we pray that everything that we do here this morning will be pleasing unto you and will follow the, the plan that you've outlined for us through your word. Father, just be with us, watch over us, and forgive us when we do fall short. It's through Jesus we pray these things. Amen. Please stand for our first song. First hymn this morning, number 585, Soldiers of Christ Arise, 585. Oh, 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 oh,
Next hymn this morning, number 730, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, 730. After this hymn, Brother Nathan Thompson will have our scripture reading and prayer.
Let us pray. Our most gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we are so very thankful to all have this opportunity to gather together this morning to sing praise to your name and learn more about your love for us. We ask that you guide Chris through his lesson and allow us all to have an open ear and allow his words to resonate on our souls, Father. And if there be anybody here that <coughs> need and des desire to know you more, please allow this to, uh, to, uh, to, to ring true in their heart and allow them to uh, allow you in, Father. We ask that you be with all those that have been mentioned to today uh, on the sick and the prayer list, Father. We ask that you allow them to return to a normal state of health. <clears throat> in your son's name, amen. <clears throat> this morning's scripture reading comes from Romans 12. We'll be reading 9 through 15. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Next hymn this morning, number 452, Night with Evan Pinion. <clears throat>
Good morning. For all of you that are human here, are human here, you probably have something in your life, or if you're like me, many things in your life that you dread doing. You don't look forward to it, you're not excited about it, but you have to do it. You know, as I've gotten older, you know, doctor visits have become more and more of a dread. And it's not really the news that I'm going to get from the doctor that's a dread. Sometimes it is. But it's what has to happen before I go to the doctor that's a dread. So as you get older, the doctor orders blood work that you have to do before you go to the doctor because they want to check your blood num numbers to see if you're healthy or not healthy based on the report they get. So most of you don't know this, but I don't do well with getting my blood drawn. Um, I might have passed out a time or two from that happening. We had a, a life insurance policy that we got. We had a nurse come to our house, and I passed out of the kitchen table. That was impressive. My wife reminds me of that from time to time. But now every time I have to go to the doctor, I have to get blood work taken because I'm older now, and that's just what you do. And I dread that time, you know, you've got six months between doctor's appointments or whatever, and you've got that two-week window that you're supposed to go get your blood work done before you go to the doctor, and I have all this anxiety about getting blood work done. Not that the getting your blood drawn really hurts all that badly, it's just something in my mind that's got this block or whatever that causes me just not to do well with that. And, you know, there's I know that most of you have something similar to that that you dread doing, that you have to do, that causes you anxiety. Um, and then when I think about that, and then I think about um, the suffering that Christ does for us that we're about to remember coming now, can you imagine, even begin to imagine, the anguish and anxiety and stress that Jesus would have been undergoing knowing that he is about to go to the cross and to give himself for me and for you. If you have your Bibles and you'll turn with me to Matthew chapter 26 verses 37 and 38. Matthew 26 verses 37 and 38. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowed and, trouble, and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay and keep watch with me. So Jesus is taking, he's with his closest friends, and he's telling them that my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. You know, um, this is not something that I've ever experienced, and I hope I never have to experience the kind of anguish and, and sorrow and suffering that Jesus took on for you and me. You know, we think about the cross, the cross often and the pain and suffering that Jesus experienced for you and me. But I don't know if I think often enough about the mental war that he had to accept to know to willingly go to the cross. 
um, knowing, as the scripture tells us, he could have easily avoided the cross. He didn't owe the penalty of sin. I did. He didn't know that. And his mental fortitude, his um, commitment, and his ultimately his love for me and for you that caused him to take the action and follow through with the steps that he knew was going to lead him to the cross. And as we remember the, the sacrifice that Jesus made, Turn with me, and you're already almost there. Matthew 26, uh, verse 26 through 29. Matthew 26, verses 26 through 29. And while they were eating, Jesus took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now until the day that they drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. Let's pray with, please pray with me for the bread. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for your son Jesus and the willingness that he had to accept the cross for my sin, to be willing to offer his body to be broken, that I might have restoration for you. Help us to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made as we partake in the bread. In Jesus' name, amen.
Please pray with me for the fruit of the vine. Dear Lord, again, I, I thank you for, for your son Jesus and the, the sacrifice that he made by shedding his blood for the forgiveness of my sins, that I might have hope and, and be able to be restored into right relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. This concludes our remembrance of the Lord's Supper. But as we have the men assembled here this morning, we're going to take this time in our service to um, collect an offering that we might continue to do the, the Lord's work that he's called us to do in this community as, as the church. Will you pray with me? Again, Lord, thank you so much 
for the opportunity to gather here together. We, we thank you, and we love you, and we so appreciate all the things that you've done for us to allow us to be here. And Father, as we take this time to collect an offering for your work to be done in this community, Father, I, I pray that you uh, bless those who give. And also, Father, I pray that you give wisdom to the eldership here that decides how the funds are best used for the kingdom. And we give you all the praise and the honor and the glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all please stand. We'll sing hymn number 776. Will your anchor, will your, will your anchor hold? I'm going to get that out. <clears throat> we'll sing the first two verses. Will your anchor hold in the storm of When
Things are ready. Hymn number 23. Good morning. I do want to mention uh, a new class we've started on Wednesday nights. Uh, Joe Galloway is teaching um, song theory and how to lead singing and how to read music and how to, how to do this better uh, to some of our young men, but it's for all ages. Uh, so it's in the in the uh, Upstairs above the fellowship hall. If you're interested in that class, I would highly recommend you you go to that and, and learn uh, from him and how to how to how to lead singing, how to um, serve. He's going to talk about a variety of things, including sermon preparation. So, uh, that I think that class will be useful for us. This question uh, ends our series uh, on big questions. Um, we've been trying to cover some questions our community and our congregations asked. Um, and so this, this will be our last one. This is not a sermon I would have chosen. <laughs> this is uh, never, I've never, I've never um, taught uh, on suicide. Um, I think it's something that's useful for us. Uh, I think the Bible speaks to it. Uh, and I certainly think that uh, our community, our congregation needs to hear uh, about this topic. And so I want to be careful. I understand that this is a topic that uh, many of us have been affected by, and I want to treat it with the utmost um, compassion. Um, so if you hear me say something that you're like, oh, that, that doesn't sound right, come talk to me afterward. I would love to, to have that moment with you to kind of talk over some of these things. I think it's important, um, but I may not say everything just right. Uh, so, so have uh, have some patience with me. Let's think about this topic biblically. Um, it is an epidemic. We think of COVID uh, as a, as the epidemic of uh, this decade. It, it, it may be, but it's not the only one we're living through. Uh, if you see, I know you can't read this. I can't read it. Um, but if you see the green squares on the on the board behind me, those are um, suicide. This is the leading causes of death among the various age groups. And so you've got one people who were less than one all the way to um, 65 plus uh, and everything in between. And so they're broken down into, into various age groups. But the green squares indicate deaths that are caused by suicide. And so you'll, you'll see here, uh, if you're 10 to 34 years old, um, the second leading cause of deaths in 10 to 34 year olds is suicide. The, the first one is unintentional accidental deaths. Um, I got this from, from the CDC website, and so uh, these numbers are as, are, are as accurate as possible. 
um, the leading or the the fourth leading cause uh, of deaths if you're 35 to 54 uh, is suicide. The fourth that that means three things kill more people in those age groups than suicide. Um, homicide isn't in the list. Uh, heart disease, um, cancers, un- uh, unintentional injuries. Those things are on the list, but, but suicide's number four for that age group. It's number two for 10 to 34-year-olds. That, that, that's, those stats blow my mind. Um, it actually lowered, these stats lowered during COVID. I figured that they, they would raise um, during COVID, but they actually, they actually went down a little bit. From 2000, I think it's 2004 to 2019, the stats on suicide have just raised over over those uh, those years, but in 2020 the numbers fell just a little bit, but it still resulted in 46,000 people committing suicide. Um, that's a three percent decline from from 2019. But even during COVID, the numbers of suicide rates among 35 and under rose. You'll notice uh, on this next chart from 2021 that the Suicide stats are on the rise again. So what I, what I really want you to see here is the, 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 the light gray box at the very bottom. It says that there's one suicide every 11 minutes. So by the time this lesson's done, statistically speaking, three people in our country will have taken their life. That's amazing, isn't it? Um, it is a true epidemic. Um, people are struggling with this depression, with anxiety, and it's resulting in, in suicide. These numbers are from, from 2021, so you can see the, the top number there on the gray box. Over 48,000 people in 2021 died because of suicide. So this is something that we need to think through. Um, this is something that we need to, to talk about um, this is an epidemic, and I think the church has some ways that we can help our friends and our members that are struggling with depression and anxiety and things that lead to suicide. I think the church has some ways that we can help, some things that we can do. I wanted to get to that toward the end of the lesson. I wanted to start here, I guess, with some, some facts about suicide. Uh, when I was in college, I took several psychology classes one of the things that stood out to me from those classes is talking about suicide doesn't lead someone to do commit suicide. Um, that that's that's false, and so um, don't don't think that oh well he taught a lesson on suicide now it's going to go up. I, that's not that's not the case. Talking about it is the answer. Um, this is a a chemical imbalance in people's brains that have led them to this spot, and so. By the time that they get to a spot where they see suicide as the only answer, something has, has misfired in their brains. They're not, they're not really themselves anymore. Um, their, their brains aren't working quite right. Um, some, something has happened. This is not an issue of faith. Um, some very faithful people I've known over the years um, have committed suicide. And, and it, we can't lay this at a lack of faith um, as the cause for their suicide. I, I don't think that's true. I don't think that's fair. Um, I think that this is 
a chemical imbalance. Um, some, some, some chemicals in their brain um, are, are not where they ought to be. Uh, and so medicine is the answer here. Um, that's not something that we can do. That's, that's something that we can encourage our friends that are struggling with depression, anxiety, and thinking about suicide. That's, that's something we can and should encourage them. So go talk to someone. Talk to me. Stay with me, and I will take you to someone that, that has the credentials and the, the ability to be able to help you with, with medicine as well as therapy and things like that. Um, so talking about it doesn't doesn't lead someone to suicide. In fact, talking about it is, is one of the answers. It leads to an answer, at least. I think it is a chemical imbalance. Um, suicide's not the impardonable sin. Flip over to Mark chapter 3. I've, I've heard this for a long time. <coughs> and I think it comes from the Catholic Church, um, but I don't think it comes from Scripture. Um, let's flip over to Mark chapter 3. Starting in, verses, uh, starting in verse 28, Jesus is dealing with the Pharisees, uh, and they um, just refuse to believe him. They refuse to buy into him being Messiah. They don't, they don't think, they refuse to give up their place of prestige to submit to him. And that's really what he's demanding that they do. Throughout the Gospel of Mark, he's, he's demanding that they submit you can't be in charge anymore. You have to, you have to submit to my leadership. Everyone in, in his age was looking towards the Pharisees for biblical knowledge. Um, they, were, they were running the show. They were respected leaders who people would move out of the street uh, because they didn't want to get dust on these people's clothes. Um, that, that's the kind of prestige that these guys had. And Jesus is saying, you, you, you think you have the answers, but you don't really have, you don't have the answers. I do, and you need to submit to, to me. And if you're not willing to submit to me, then everything's lost. That's where we pick up here in, in, uh, in verse 28, Mark 3, verse 28. Jesus says, truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the children of man and whatever blasphemies they utter. So all sins can be forgiven, right? That's something we believe. That's something we teach. It does not matter how far you are away from God. You are welcome back, right? That's the story of the prodigal son. He was in a faraway country, just as far away from God as he could possibly be. But when he comes back, the father welcomes him with open arms. That is the gospel truth. It is beauty. It is power, right? It doesn't matter how far away you are. It doesn't matter what you've done, right? Paul was a murderer, right? A murderer of Christians fighting against God. When he turned and repented, when he was baptized, what did God do with him? Incredible things. Not only did he forgive him, he made him one of the symbols of his power to the church in the first century. A symbol of his grace and his power. So Jesus says, all, all sins can be forgiven. Whatever blasphemies they utter, we utter, they can be forgiven. But whoever, in verse 29, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. So what's he talking about here? What, what is 
the unpardonable sin? What is the sin that leads to death? What, what is this? He kind of clears it up for you a little bit in verse 30. Four, that's important, underline four. He's saying, because they were saying he has an unclean spirit. These guys refused, remember, they refused to submit to Jesus. They heard, or at least, they definitely heard, but they at least should have put two and two together. They're seeing these miracles. In fact, that's what this conversation is about. They've seen miracles and they're attributing his power to do these miracles to not God, but to Satan. The miracles were designed to help them connect the dots. They were designed to get their attention. If he can do this, if he can heal a man I know is lame. I've known this guy for 40 years. He's never walked a day in his life. If he can heal this guy, I better stop and listen to what he has to say. That's the purpose of miracles. That's what John tells us, and that's what the rest of Scripture implies for us. That's the reason miracles were, were done, to get, the, to get the people's attention and to verify what the, what the uh, miracle worker is doing. So these guys have seen the miracles, and instead of connecting the dots and saying, I better listen to this guy, they say, oh, he's not doing that by God's power. He must be doing it by, by Satan's power. They immediately shut him down. So what is the unpardonable sin? Oh, it's the sin you refuse to give up. That's really the unpardonable sin. Remember, he says all sin can be forgiven. But the only sin that can't be forgiven is the one you refuse to repent of, right? The only sin that can't be forgiven is the sin that you refuse to repent of. So these guys, the Pharisees, refused to submit. They refused to listen. They refused to give them a hearing. They refused to, to understand. All the evidence is in front of them. This case should be open and shut. Obviously, he's from God. I need to listen to what he has to say. And then when I hear it, I need to obey it. I need to do it. But they refuse repeatedly, time and time again, in spite of the evidence. They refuse to repent. That's the unpardonable sin, the sin that you refuse to repent of. Flip over to 1 John. 1 John. We're going to look there in verse uh, chapter 1. So suicide, I don't believe, is the unpardonable sin. I think 1 John will help us shed a little bit of light on that. Some people think that, well, since um, Murder is a sin, right? Um, certainly, murdering yourself would be a sin, right? So, after I have died, I can't repent of that sin, right? So that's how they get to suicide being the unpardonable sin. I, I, don't, I don't believe that's the case. I don't think that's what um, the Bible teaches. Listen to what he says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. Starting in verse 8. If we say we have no sin... Notice the singular nature there. If we say we have no sin, not sins, but sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. In verse 9, if we confess our sins, plural. That's interesting, isn't it? So underlying sins, the, the plural there in verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I think John's talking about a mindset that we need to be about 
a mindset that we need to have in relation to our sin. He goes, I think, from the general, the sin, in verse 8, to the, speci- to, to the plural, sins, because he's trying to move from general to specific. He, he wants you, he wants us, God wants us to confess specific sins. We need to be people who are constantly taking evaluation of us, looking for things that are out of step with who He wants us to be. I need to wake up on Monday and think, "Ah, yesterday I I had a lot of pride. Today I'm going to eradicate that. I need to to focus on that. Um, I need to wake up on Tuesday and think, today I'm going to work on greed. I'm going to eradicate that today. And every, every day... We need to take an evaluation of our spiritual condition and think, I'm, I'm, I need to work on fixing that. Now, that's our mindset. That's where we need to be on a daily basis, I think. I think that's what Scripture teaches, that I need to constantly be evaluating myself. Am I in line with who He wants me to be? Am I doing the right things? Am I having the right attitude? I think that's important. And if I'm not, then I do need to confess those things. I think that's important. Will you die with unconfessed sin? Yes, I think you will. There are some, sin, there are some sins that you don't know you've committed. You're not aware of them. You can't confess them since you're not aware of them. What about the person who has led a righteous life who has constantly evaluated themselves ferreting out sin on every occasion? Then something happens and they get angry uh, and, and they have a heart attack and they pass away. What happens to that person? Is God going to condemn them for for that one sin in the moments before their death? that they didn't have time to confess, I just don't think so. So what are you going to do with, what are you going to do with this? I think it's a mindset that we need to have. I think it's an activity that we need to have. Constantly being evaluating, constantly evaluating ourselves, looking for things in us that are not like Christ. Potholes in our spirituality that we can and should confess. I'm going to miss some of those things because I'm not aware of some of them. And because honestly, the amount of sin that we commit on a daily basis, we're going to miss some of those things. We need to be ferreting them out. That needs to be our work We need to be looking for those things, but we're going to miss some of them. And I think that's where grace comes into play. I think he looks at us and sees people who are trying with everything in our hearts to do what he would have us to do. And when we fail, he gives grace. Now, in Romans 6, uh, Paul's going to talk to a congregation of people who are impugning on that grace, that they're taking advantage of that grace and they're just doing whatever they want. They're not evaluating themselves. They don't, they don't, 
the, the, the moderation and the self-control that's necessary uh, for us to live this kind of lifestyle. They've thrown that out the window and they're just doing whatever they want to do and they're relying on God's grace to save them. And Paul says, that's not good. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not, right? We can't live like that. We need to be constantly evaluating ourselves. But I don't think that while we attempt to confess every sin, while we attempt to acknowledge it and confess it, I think we're going to miss some, and we have to rely on God's grace. That's what it's there for. So I don't see suicide as the unforgivable sin, the unpardonable sin. Let's talk about how you get there. How do you get to a spot in your life where suicide's the only answer? It's, it's, the, only, it's the only answer you can see. Right? How do you get to that spot? It's a bit like somebody holding a lot of books. So, say they lost their job, right? That, that's, that's one big hit. They come home and they have a fight with their, their wife or their husband. It's another good-sized hit. Um, somebody they love, maybe gets divorced or they pass away. That's, that's another big hit, isn't it? Um, you're struggling financially. It's another big hit, isn't it? Um, you get sick, COVID or the flu or cancer. Another good-sized hit, isn't it? Um, someone you love says something hateful to you. Eventually, those things start stacking up, and you drop them, and you get to this point in your life where the only thing I can see, the only way out I can see, is to commit suicide. That's how people get there. What can we do to help? Well, like I said earlier, I think the church, I think God has some ways that we can help our friends that are struggling with these kinds of emotions, this, this idea of suicide, I think, I think we have at least some of the answers. Again, they need to talk with someone, a professional counselor, psychiatrist, that can provide the type of help to alleviate the chemical imbalance. But what they also need is hope. Because when they're holding all those books and all those things are mounting up in their life and it just seems like everything's going wrong, like nothing can go right. When they're holding all those books and nothing can go right, they need to be able to see that there's hope at the end of the tunnel, that there's light at the end of the tunnel. Most of us, when we're in those tough times, some of our college students are home now, one of the worst years of my life was in uh was finals week <laughs> this one year when I was in grad school and I just I wrote like a hundred pages of papers I took several tests and did all this stuff and I thought holy cow I'm never going to get over this like this is this is insanity right but I could see the light at the end of the tunnel I didn't have the chemical imbalance right our friends that are struggling with suicide can't see the light at the end of the tunnel they need they need hope Fortunately for them, hope is something God majors in. 
it's, it's what he loves. It's what he expresses in the most powerful terms. Do you believe anybody can change? Do you think that, that a murderer can go to a saint? That a murderer could go to God's greatest worker? Do you think a drug addict, someone who keeps on going back to this sin, this addiction, can come out of it and become addicted to God? Do you think people can really change? You have to if you believe in the gospel. Because that's what he says. That people, no matter how far away they are, no matter how long they've been in that, no matter how deep they are into that, they can change. They can come to them. There's hope there. There's light at the end of the tunnel. No matter how small it is, there's light at the end of the tunnel. That's what our friends who are struggling with suicide need. It's one of the things that we can provide for them is hope. That's one of the things that Scripture is so, so clear on, is that people can change. And so we can provide the light at the end of the tunnel for them. We can provide that kind of counsel, that kind of advice, that this will not be the way you always feel. You'll not, you're not always going to be carrying all these books, all these things that you're currently carrying. It's not always going to be like that. You can set them down. Let me take one. I'll take this burden for you. It gets a little bit lighter. It's not always going to be like that. You're not always going to be juggling all these things. You're not always going to be in this dark place. There's hope. There's power here. That's one of the things that the church can provide for our friends that are struggling with thoughts of suicide. Another thing that we major in is fellowship. That's something that folks who are struggling with thoughts of suicide need. They need, they need someone with them. To, to care about them, to live life with them. This is not a quick fix. This is not a conversation that you have. This is living life with them. Fortunately for them, that's what we major in, right? That's God's heart. If you flip over to Acts chapter 2, verse 47, you'll find the beginning of the church. Um, it's, it's brand new. Uh, and they're undergoing some significant challenges financially. Um, they're, they're undergoing very quickly some physical challenges with persecution. But check out what happens in verse 46. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Look back up to verse 42. How do we get to verse 47? Verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. That's how, that's how they get there. That's what works. They devoted themselves to one of the things they devoted themselves is to, to fellowship to sharing. 
to being there for each other, to lean on, to be the strength when I don't have any strength. That's what they, that's what they were doing. That's where they found power. This is koinonia. This is fellowship. It's not, it's not a dinner. like some, We have fellowship dinners, right? And they're, they're great. And they're perfect opportunities for us to share with each other. But that's not koinonia. Koinonia fellowship is, is living life together, side by side. This, this early church, they, they, would have, they would have done this. They would have lived life together like this. Um, they, were, they were constantly together. We've restored, I think, first century worship. I, I think we worship very similarly to the way that they would have worshipped. We have not restored the lifestyle that they lived. We view fellowship as once a, once a month, once a week, whatever, eating together. That's good, but it's not enough. We, we need to be tied into each other's lives. That's where the power is. That's where fellowship is. That's where sharing happens. I can't share my life with you three hours a week, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Bible class. It's hard to share life in four hours a week. You get five hours a day. It's much more easy to share life, isn't it? It's easier to have koinonia. That's what our friends who are struggling with suicide need. They need someone to stand there with them and to take some of these burdens. They need someone to listen. They need someone to provide light at the end of the tunnel. They need someone to stay with them and live life with them, to care, genuinely care about them. And it's not just a conversation. It's not just a day. It's days upon weeks, upon months, upon years. Flip over to Romans chapter 12. You get another picture of what the church was like in the first century. Paul writes to this Roman congregation in verse 9. Romans chapter 12 verse 9 is what um, Nathan read for you this morning. But what I really want you to see is what he says in verse 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. You ever stubbed your toe? You ever been walking through your house, maybe late at night or in a hurry, and you kick the mess out of a chair or something, and you think, oh, my toe. Oh. What happens if you got a scratch on the back of your hand? Or like maybe your back hurts, and you, you pulled, pulled a muscle or something in your back. Do you focus on those things when you stubbed your toe? What do you do? You start hopping around, you grab your foot, you know, and you're massaging your toe, trying to get your toe to stop hurting. You give attention to the part of your body that's hurting. It's an opportunity we have with our friends that are thinking about suicide. We can stop focusing so much on other aspects of the body that don't need the attention right then and focus on the ones who are deeply hurting. That's what it means to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. 
we're, we're connected in that way. This illustration that Paul uses in 1 Corinthians 12 when he describes the body of Christ. He's talking about us. He's talking about the church. So when one of us hurts, all of us hurt. That, that's the koinonia. That's the fellowship that we must have. It's the koinonia. It's the fellowship that our friends that are thinking about suicide need. They need that, that sharing in their lives. They need you in their life providing hope, providing a listening ear, and just living life with them. I think those are some of the ways that we can help. These are what God majors in. Hope and fellowship. Connection. It's what he's longing for. It's what he's always been longing for. It's what he longs for with you. It's what he longs for with the world. If you're not inside of Christ today, you don't, you don't have connection with him. He's, he's missing out on your connection with him because he can't have fellowship. He can't have koinonia with you because you're lost in sin. The good news of the gospel is that you don't have to stay in that state. You can have your sins washed away through the power of baptism and you become his child. Completely forgiven. Starting off with a clean slate. It doesn't matter how far away you've been. It doesn't matter how long you've been there. He's welcoming you home. This morning, if you need the prayers of the congregation to be everything that God would have you to be, why don't you come as we stand and sing?
Good morning, church family. I hope everyone is doing well this morning. If you're visiting with us, we're glad you decided to worship with us this morning. If you can take a moment to fill a visitor card in front of you and place it in a black box in the back, uh, we'd great, it'd be great to have a record of your attendance with us this morning. Um, Chris, great lesson, brother. I appreciate it. Um, I, I do feel obligated if you know someone uh, that is committing, that wants to commit suicide, um, there's a hotline There's a, a, for Ohio 24-7, um, whenever they need help, here's the number if you need that number. It's 740-354-1010. Um, that phone number again is 740-354-1010. And that is the suicide hotline um, in the state of Ohio. Also, uh, we've got a busy uh, day uh, today. Today is the holiday gift exchange for sixth grade and under at Aaron Carver's house. Um, should be a lot of fun. Uh, so if you need directions how to get to our house, uh, please see Aaron after services. Also, this evening from 8 to 11 is spare time um, in Ironton. This is for the entire church. Uh, love to have you come fellowship with other congregations in, within the area. It's always a lot of fun. There's laser tag, bowling, roller skating. Um, I think there's putt-putt. I can't remember if they took the putt-putt thing down or not, but uh, I think there is putt-putt there. But it's always a lot of fun. Uh, it's always a lot of laughter. So I do encourage you to come spare time with us tonight from 8 to 11. Um, Monday morning Bible class for the ladies has been canceled for the holidays. It will uh, resume back November. I'm sorry, not November. David, wow. <laughs> January 8th. <laughs> I'm going backwards. Uh, January 8th is when the, um, the ladies' class will resume back. Um, also, uh, College and Young Adults uh, Gift Exchange is this coming Wednesday after services at the Parker's house. Um, so that should be a lot of fun. It's for college kids and young adults at the Parker's house uh, this coming Wednesday after services. Also, if you find yourself uh, during the holidays on December 24th without uh, someone to be with, uh, maybe you're a widow or you're a shut-in. Um, maybe you just have family out of town, um, whatever circumstances, and you need you know to be with somebody through a, for the holidays. We are we are doing a meal um, here at Rome uh, for you to fellowship with us. Um, we'd love to have you. If you're wanting to come to that, there's a green sign-up sheet on the foyer board. Please sign up so that way we know how many people. How many people to prepare for? But that is on the 24th. Uh, that would be after um, morning services. Also, the dead, deadline to sign up for CYC is December 27th. So if you have a child uh, going to CYC, please sign them up before you leave. Also, uh, Mally Williams has been selected uh, to go on a mission trip uh, for Harding. If you didn't know, Harding's National Championships. That's great. I had to throw that plug in there, but uh, uh, the uh, Mally's heading uh, to Ecuador this summer, and she's needing funds for that trip. If you can um, uh, help her out, I know she'd greatly appreciate that. Also, if you can help out pick up some of our older members um, on Wednesday night and Sunday night, uh, please see me. Um, we need some help uh, picking some of our members up uh, to bring them to church on those nights. Um, also, uh, 
if you're wanting lights for maybe a garage or or a basement or just needing lights, um, we redid the um, lights down the other end of, uh, of the church uh, with LEDs, and we have some older uh, the lights that we replaced. If you're needing lights, they're free to you. Uh, they're in the library, so please take them. Um, we'd love to get rid of them, and uh, and they're free. So everybody, who doesn't like free stuff? So um, updates on our prayer list. Remember, continue to keep Jimmy Wilgus in your prayers and Jim Martin. And uh, it's good to see Jackie uh, with us this morning. Uh, she's doing much better. So remember, continue to keep those uh, in your prayers that are dealing with cancer at this time and so many others. Uh, dealing with COVID as well. COVID's making a comeback. Um, so keep those people in your prayers that they all get well soon. Also, remember, continue to keep Friday uh, Simpson in your prayers as well. Uh, keep her in your prayers. And also uh, keep David Houck in your prayers as well. Uh, David Houck has uh, had some complications with his knee surgery. Uh, he is at uh, SOMC, and they're running tests on him at this time. But uh, remember to continue to keep him in your prayers at this time. That's all the announcements I have. I'm looking forward to seeing everybody again this, this evening at 6 o'clock. We'll sing one more song and be dismissed in prayer. Let's all please stand again. We'll sing hymn number 40, Be With Me, Lord. <clears throat> First three verses, and then after that, Brother Dickie Parker will lead us in prayer. <clears throat> Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we're so thankful for this day, this opportunity to gather here this morning, Father. And Father, we are so thankful for your word, which guides and directs us, Father. It tells us what you want us to do and who you want us to be and how we are to bring others to you, Father. We are so thankful for that. And Father, what we've heard here this morning, we ask that you apply it to our lives. You print it on our hearts that we may walk in a manner which is 
in a way in which you want us to. As we depart here, Father, we ask for opportunities to tell others about you, to lead them to you, Father, and make your church a strong church, a growing church, the church that you're proud of. And Father, we thank you for Jesus and the love that he had for us. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.